All right, we doing good? Man, you look good. You look good. I'm going to be honest. All right, you look good. Uh, it may have been because you've been fasting for the last several weeks and you've lost some weight. And so uh, whatever it is, I'm glad you're here. And we're break, or we broke the fast just a little bit ago, taking communion together. And then we're going to have an opportunity to respond in just a little bit. And I'll tell you more about that. But we're wrapping up this series today called Burn the Ships. And we're doing that on the hills of or at, right at completion of this fast that we've been in for 21 days. And then the worship nights that we've had over the last several nights. And I don't know if you were able to make it to our worship nights, but man, they were, they were lit to use my son's terms. And uh, I mean, just unbelievable in, in what God did and what God is doing. And I pray that he continues to do that today. And I want to help you understand that the whole reason why we're doing this is because Jesus is inviting us into something better. Jesus is inviting us into what he has for us and for willing to let go of the past, literally for willing to burn some ships, then we can step into what he has for us. And that's what we're gonna look at today quickly. In John chapter 15, if you have a Bible, again, open it there. We've been there for the last several weeks and we are just gonna hit three verses today in John chapter 15, verses nine through 11, all right? Verses nine through 11. I wanna show you that Jesus is inviting us into something that he has for us and if we're willing to, like the disciples, drop our nets, burn the ships and step into that, then it will actually lead to what he promises. And as always, before we get into the text, let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and the preaching of it. All right. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit and how they work in tandem. The word is Jesus and Jesus came and dwelt among us and the spirit is the one who shows us that word. And so in the word and in the spirit, we see the Trinity working as you're drawing us to yourself. And God, I pray that you would do that now as we open up your word, that your Holy Spirit would do just that. You'd open eyes if their eyes need to be open, that you would let us hear the words in it, God, and show us what you're inviting us into and help me communicate it rightly in Jesus' name, amen. Verses 9 and 10, we're going to look at that first, and then verse 11. Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, the thing that I love, to use that word, about this text is the word love that Jesus is telling us something about what we're abiding in. We're abiding or remaining in his love. Now it's so key to understand something. When he says abide in my love, he's saying remain in it. He's not saying earn it. He's not saying earn my love. He's saying remain in my love because we so quickly move into performance mentality because in our world, we understand or we think we understand that in order to receive love, we've got to do something. And so we always think if I do this, I'll be more loved. And we come to God like that. And we think if I do this, I'll be more loved. And so a lot of us think that the highest value on the earth today is to love God. But I want you to understand something. The highest value on the earth today is not you loving God, it's God loving you. And it's you receiving that and abiding in that. Because notice Jesus doesn't base his love for you on your love for him. Read back into it. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. So the standard of Jesus's love to you is not your love for him. It's his father's love for him. 
His standard of love for you has nothing to do with what you do for him, but what his father has done for him. And this is so important to understand because so often we fail to understand why God created us, why God made us. God didn't create us because he was lonely. God didn't create creatures to love him. That is not why he created us. The Bible so clearly says the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, were abiding in each other's love. So from eternity past, God was in perfect fellowship with himself, loving each other. And so he didn't create us for us to love him. He created us for him to love us. Not for us to give back to him. He's not lonely, he's not needy, right? He's not just like a middle school kid that's like, please somebody love me. He created us for us to love him. And so when Jesus came, he says, listen, I want you to understand something. The standard of love that I have for you is not based upon your love for me, it's based upon my father's love for me. As he's loved me, I love you. So remain and rest and receive that love. So the highest thing that you and I can do today is not love God, it's let God love you. It's receive and rest and remain in his love for you. So then the question is, well, how do I receive and rest and remain in his love for me? You obey his commandments. See, this is where we get confused. We're like, well, hold up. You just said his love for me is not based upon my ability to obey him. No, it's not. But now you're saying obey him. Yes, I am. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. But here's what I want you to see. The whole reason why he tells us to keep his commandments, and that word there, keep, means to observe or obey. He tells us to keep his commandments because in doing them, we are remaining. In obeying, we are abiding. In fact, that's my first point if you want to write it down quickly. Obeying is abiding. Obeying is abiding. But here's what's so important to understand. He gives us these commands not to restrict our love, to restrict our joy, but to increase them. So the good news about the commands that God gives us is the more that we obey them, the more love we're abiding in. The more that we obey them, the more joy we're abiding in. Don't believe me? Look at verse 11. He says, these things, what things? The things he just said. These things I have spoken to you that my what? Let's try that again. Come on, somebody. Say it like you mean the word, all right? That my what? May be in you and that your what? May be what? Notice he didn't say empty. Jesus is not some tyrant in the sky that is saying, you better obey me. I'm gonna strike you down with lightning. No, no. He's a loving father. He's a loving son. The God of all creation is saying, listen, the whole reason why I'm giving you these commandments is because they will actually lead to more joy and more love. And here's what's so crazy. In Galatians chapter five, and I've referenced this often in this series and I reference it a lot. If you come to our welcome dinner or welcome lunch, I'll reference it again. But in Galatians chapter five, verse 21, Paul says the fruit of the spirit is, and then there's two fruits that he says at the beginning. Anybody know what they are? Love and joy. Do you think that's a coincidence? 
Do you think that here's Jesus saying love and joy, and then Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. It's almost like it's the same God. Almost like it's the same author, even though two different writers wrote it. Because what is Jesus saying? I am enticing you into more love and more joy. So what is burning the ships about? We said this last week, if you were here, burning the ships is all about bearing the fruit. Burning the ships is all about bearing the fruit. So what we're saying is this, if you want more love, if you want more joy, if you wanna rest and receive more of that, then you've got to stop thinking that you can do it your way and it'll actually lead to the fruit of the spirit. It won't. I used to tell teenagers this all the time. I used to talk to teenagers for years. And, and when I first got hired here nine years ago, they're like, hey, you always talk to teenagers. You think you can talk to adults? I'm like, are you kidding me? Adults are easy compared to teenagers. You break your teeth on teenagers, man, you, you are good. If you, can, if you can do it with teenagers, you can do it with anybody. But I love teenagers. And the reason why I love teenagers even to this day is because it's so raw and real and they don't hide. Until I realized sometimes speaking to adults is actually harder because you hide. And, and you've got just as many problems as they do, but, but you have more zeros to them. They're just bigger, same stuff. But I used to communicate in a teenager's mind, one of the biggest things was dating and relationships because they go through this process called puberty where all of a sudden girls that had cooties, now you like, right? Like boys that you're like, that's disgusting. Ooh, I hope he has me out, right? Like it just happens. And so for the first 10 or 11 years of your life as a kid, there's no attraction, right, to, to, to people. And then something happens and then all of a sudden you're attracted. And I used to tell teenagers all the time, listen, if you'll do it God's way, it'll actually lead to more joy. If you do it God's way, it will actually lead to more love, not less, but they would never believe me. And so I would always explain it to them. Listen, for the first 10 of your, years of your life, you didn't, weren't even concerned about this. And then let's just say, you know, average age of getting married today is 25. And so you got about 12 years where God says, do it my way, wait. And then after 25 or whenever it is that you get married, a lifetime full of romance, a lifetime full of happiness and joy. And the rest of you that have been married for a while, you're like, well, right? But... <laughs> But I would tell him, listen, so God is saying for this, for this decade, could you give him a decade? If you'll give him a decade and you'll do it the way he says, I promise you, it will actually lead to more joy. It's not that God's trying to restrict your joy. He's trying to enhance it. He's trying to give you more joy. This is why I have never, ever in my 20 years of pastoring met a person in their 20s or in their 30s that are glad that they were promiscuous in their teens. Never met that person. And I never will. You wanna know why? Romans, which we're starting next weekend. So you might wanna be here for it, all right? Romans chapter six, verse 21. You know what Paul says there? Of course you don't, because you haven't read it. Maybe you have, and you got to memorize. Here's what Paul says. What fruit were you getting then of the things that you're now ashamed of? Let me ask you that question. What fruit were you getting then of the things that you're now ashamed of? The answer to that question, Paul answers, the fruit of death. 
Not life, not joy. So when we talk about burning the ships, what we're saying is very simply this. If you're willing to burn the ships and not do it your way anymore and trust God and believe God that his promises are true, you'll get a different fruit. And that fruit you won't be ashamed of because it's love and joy. And see, so many times all of us believe the lie of Satan, which is exactly what he told Eve in Genesis chapter three, when he said, God is holding out on you. God is holding out on you. Don't trust him. He knows that if you take that fruit, fruit, if you take that, you'll be like him. He's holding out on you. And Satan has lied that to every single one of us and every single one of us have believed it. You wanna know why you and I don't obey God? Because we don't believe it will actually lead to more joy. My friends, you and I, and I say this often, aren't on a truth quest. You're on a joy quest. You want to be happy, don't you? That's okay. It is not sinful to want to be happy. It's not. God made your heart for happiness. And in the Christian world, we're like happiness and joy and joy is this and happiness is this. And I'm not saying that's not true, but here's my point. It's not a sin to want to be happy. Do you know what is sin? Sin is thinking that any other person but God can actually give it to you. This is why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter one, he says, don't chase, right? The fleeting pleasures of sin. All God is saying, all Jesus is saying, you chase after your own way, there'll be some pleasures, but they're fleeting. They're not eternal. But you do it my way, you obey me, you do marriage my way, you do sex my way, you do money my way, you do life my way, you do service my way, and you'll have more joy. So he's, I want you to see that he's inviting us into more love. He's inviting us into more joy. The problem is we just don't believe that. And here's the only thing that will that will lead you to actually burn the ships of the things in your life that you're actually ashamed of, the only thing that will entice you or invite you over to actually do it differently is what Thomas Chaucer, Chalmers, I can't remember exactly how you say it, it's an English guy, and so I can't understand everything that he says and wrote, but he wrote this work, this, and it's on, online, you can go Google it and find it, it's called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And what he argued is the only thing that will get you up out of these old affections is a more powerful one, a more powerful one. And what Jesus is saying here is if you will obey me, you will get more joy. My joy in you will lead to your joy being full. So if you obey, you're abiding. And if you're abiding, the fruit is more love and more joy. So in just a little bit, we're gonna have an opportunity. You may see these cards here in Canton and in Jasper. These cards that were on your chairs when you came in. And there's a picture of a ship burning on the front and you open it up inside, it says, burn the ships. In just a little bit, we're gonna have an opportunity for you to do just that. 
And we gave these to you today so that you can, in just a second, write down things in your life that you're now ashamed of. Things in your life over the last 21 days that God has been speaking to you say, you gotta burn this. You gotta drop this, you gotta leave this. And all I'm doing today is enticing you to do that because that's what Jesus is doing. He's enticing you into more joy, not less. He's enticing you into more love, not less. And so if you and I are willing to write it down and then we're actually gonna sing the song, Burn the Ships. And during that song, we're gonna have a time of response where you can actually walk to the front of the stage and you can actually put on this stage as you see people that wrote down the things in their life that they're saying, I'm burning this, I am letting this go. And then after all of our services this weekend, we'll actually burn these as a way to say, we're gonna abide in you, but we can't abide in you if we don't burn these things. And so I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. And part of it is what we've been fasting from, from food. And I say this often, and I want you to know, I'm not kidding, like this is not a joke. And it may not seem as sinful as your thing, but even a good thing that becomes a God thing is a bad thing. Food is a good thing. But see, I got to places and I get to places in my life where I don't eat to live, I actually live to eat. Where I'm actually wanting food to comfort me. We even call it that, right? Comfort food. And I gotta be straight with you, I'm honestly a little scared to go back to eating. As Whitney said, if you were here last night, we don't go through the fast to just go back to who we were. And so I'm, I'm honestly a little, little feel, fearful, and that's one of the things I wrote down last service is, is God, I gotta see it differently. I gotta actually eat to live, not live to eat. My relationship with it is different now. And so for you, it may be something like that. It may be a relationship that you know that God has been asking you. No, don't hear me saying that I'm advocating divorce. I am not. That's a whole nother animal. But it may be a friendship. It may be somebody you're dating. Maybe it might be bitterness, speaking of relationships. You've been holding on to bitterness because that person hurts you. And bitterness is the most, one of the most wicked and vile things because you're actually killing yourself hoping that it kills them. And God's saying, you need to forgive them. As I've forgiven you, you need to forgive them. So maybe you're writing that down. Maybe it's, see, we do these weird things, the obvious ones, well, drugs, well, of course, right? Like, yeah, burn that one, baby. But there's so many other layers to our lives, so many more socially acceptable things that we can rely on. So I don't know what they are for you, but we're gonna have a time of response in just a second where you can do that. And those here in Canton in the balcony, you can go down the stairs and come in and do it if you want to. I know it's hard to move up there, which we will be getting fixed seating up there soon. So thank you for sitting up there. 
or you can just do it on your way out, drop it off at the communion table. But maybe some of you, maybe what you need to burn is actually your old life. You actually need to die to yourself and trust Christ and be saved. And so I don't know what the response is, but here's what I know. If you'll actually seek your joy in God, it glorifies him. Let me leave you with this quote. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It actually brings God more glory. That's what Jesus said in verse eight, if you were here last week, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And what is that fruit? Love and joy. The good news of the gospel is God has everything your heart wants. So let's respond. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your love, that you loved us so much that you gave. The giving of your son was motivated by your love for us. And I know there are people here today, God, that have not trusted Jesus. They have not received and rested in that love. So therefore they can't abide in it. They can't remain in what they haven't received. And so God, I pray right now that you would save them. We did communion earlier and you had an opportunity to respond to Christ and maybe you responded then, but maybe you didn't. And if you didn't, I just wanna give you another opportunity if you want to trust Jesus for the first time and be saved, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is very simply a confession. And the confession leads to possession of salvation. So if you want to trust Jesus right there where you are, you can pray, not out loud. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. That you sent your son in my place for my sin." I ask you to save me, forgive me, I give you my life. Now, if you prayed earlier during communion to trust Jesus or you just prayed that right now, we just wanna know and celebrate that with you. So would you just simply lift your hand if you trusted Jesus today? Just lift your hand up. Thank you, 